Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe and today I have returning guest Rupert Gibson Hall. Hi Rupert, how are you doing today? Hi look, good thanks. Yourself Joe? I'm very good. Um, be interested to hear uh, about how you've been since we last talked and, and anything you've been doing in terms of research. Sure, um, I've been reading quite a bit about different alien races, predominantly um, Elaine Danan, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, her book. Yeah. I know she was recently on your podcast and I, I absolutely love that one as well. Um, I've only quite recently read the book to be honest. I um, It's been a topic I've been heavily involved in for some time now but it was amazing to read a book that dived into this topic so much deeper. You know the variety of different alien races but how different ones would join up. So I believe at one point in the podcast you talked about um, be a group of reptilians and um, there'd be like the Draco, there's the Maitri, uh, there's various other ones who have a more, um, instead of benevolent, a benevolent approach to uh, different, yeah. Yeah, different planets, different galactic systems, um, including Earth, and almost like, um, especially the Maitri parasite in the universe, mm -hmm. uh, there was some form of a brief war between the Galactic Federation and some of these beings. So, but then Elaine pointed out, and she does in her book as well, there are various reptilian uh, grey beings that are part of the Federation and um, kind of separated and become a part of it. Mm -hmm. So um, she, she goes all over the place in the book in a positive way, where even though she's describing each individual race, she always brings it back to this point of where they originate from and how they're connected to others in the universe. Um, mm -hmm. And to some extent, what role do we play in this if we do even play a role? I quite like how she toyed with that one a little bit. So yeah. um, it's, it's an exciting book. And I'd, um, uh, you know, sometimes you read a book, Joe, and you want to go back and reread it again. Exactly, yeah. Um, Especially so the Alien Races uh, section. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to uh, touch on what you said about um, not pointing the finger at certain races. And I think it, I think uh, I think Grace calls it speciesism. Uh, I might be clear, yes, but yeah. Um, yeah, so he talks about not making prejudgments about malevolent versus benevolent based on saying reptilian or gray and i think that's an important point although the draco this sikar empire the maitre these are part of these um these gray and reptilian races but uh as you say there are good reptilians and good grays out there it, and just in the same way people might have a predisposed predisposed um idea of a typical russian right now but there are a lot of very good Russians yeah. out there. So you can't sort of label someone based on where, they, where they're from uh, as to what their intent is, what their agenda is. And I think that's it's a very, very important point to make. Yeah, and uh, to tie off that, Joe, you raised a really great point there talking about sort of Russia and the difference between what's happening with uh, Putin and the government and actually what the citizens think. And if you see over time, not only the protests in Russia growing, but Russians who live in other countries have also been... Um, protesting mm. and I I like to think with whatever's happened with um, these different alien races that I've uh, say I've known to be more malevolent that there would be uh, let's give Draco reptilians an example there would be some from the Draco star system on either as one planet or variety of planets who would I like to think have stood up and said what's happening out there and what I guess you could call it a military if you will the actions being made are wrong as there are people who are mm -hmm. human, who um, probably would be in support of uh, the war 
going on with Russia and Ukraine. So it's, it's a very difficult one, as you said, to label on something. These are the good guys, the bad guys. Yeah, I think Greer it's complex. Said it, very complex. And I think Greer said it almost made me laugh in, I think it might be the Close Encounter, the Fifth, Fifth Kind documentary, um, where he goes, all right, the blonde guys are the good guys, which I find <laughs> funny, and uh, the greys are the bad guys. And he goes, it's not just racism, it's speciesism. Yeah, and exactly, um, yeah. that always just stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have you, um, by perchance, taken a look into this uh, Alien Races book that Elena says that she uses as a source right at the very beginning? Uh, this supposed Russian intelligence KGB document, which had a whole bunch of alien races in it, um, which she found delivered to her in, in an odd fashion, um, which spurred her decision to look into it further. Um, as a as a brief, uh, when you, if you listen to the podcast, she does say that this kind of spurred her on to look into it more, but she has got a lot of her information from her contact Thorhan, which um, suggests that there are, some truth to this document but if you look at the document itself it i, I, I am suspicious you know i'm skeptical of, it, of a lot of things and i am suspicious what this is because it it does seem if, it, if you don't mind me saying a bit cartoonish in, in the way it portrays the information it doesn't seem um kind of official document although i don't i don't know what an official russian document would look like but the way it's put together um doesn't doesn't suggest official kgb document to me but um there's a lot of interesting uh races in there some of which are taken and and used in the in elena's book and, and some aren't so it, it's interesting seeing how the information has passed through the system and what whether we can trust that in the original document as as a legitimate russian intelligence document or if it is a flight of fancy that has been passed as that, but then somehow whoever had this flight of fancy had some insight through other information that was was genuine. I, I don't know what what the uh, what the transition to that document was, and then obviously how Elena then picked it up and used it in her her own document. So there's sort of like a, pa a passage of information going through, and there does seem to be some some truth to it, but also some potential nonsense as well. We we don't know. Yeah, Joe Toad, that's that's um exactly what I would have said. Um that I think either there's been a like a transition, there's like a human interpretation when what might where I've looked into that or aspects of that document, I guess, and from Elaine's book, but maybe I've reached a bit more from a, a Elaine Elaine Elaine's book. Um yeah, almost like you said, cartoonish, but some parts seem almost seem more romanticized um in the descriptions. And I I wonder how much of it is human interpretation or maybe if someone wanted someone else to read it at some point mm -hmm. or right, I've got to make it a bit tasty and interesting. Um, I mean, I myself, I, I believe there's a truth to many of the races out there. However, at times I feel like just the way it's written, it's, it's hard for me to be convinced with all of them. And as you said, it's important to be um, skeptical, but I, I feel like, like you said, it's been, somewhat romanticized and there's an element elaine came, elaine came very different in the um the podcast about it because when we went back and we talked about speciesism there are times in the book especially like like it's the may try um as like the main one she keeps referring to almost as, as the bad guys and then when we're talking about the palladians and then we're linking in with forehand there's a very much an emphasis of good and i think it's 
it's probably a bit more complicated than that. Mm. And for me, for you, Joe, for Elaine, and lots of other people, we could we could talk about like Dr. Greer is a classic example. We've all had different experiences and different interpretations of it. So my experiences have been a bit more orientated around different gray beings and mantis beings. Someone else would be different. And I'd be taking my interpretation of, let's just say reptilians in general, um, based on what someone else is telling me and their experience. And unless me, you, all of us can just go to a star system, hopefully one day we can, and we can actually meet not just the, the military complex, but the civilians of these worlds and how they interact, how they eat, how they breathe, how they live, um, we're not going to get in full interpretation. So um, I'm not going to say take of a pinch of salt because it's, it's a fantastically written book. And I think Elaine is a lovely human being, but um, I will take it with enough um, skepticism, if you will. And yeah. that probably the picture hasn't been painted fully yeah. of all the different races, which she does admit in the book. There are a few parts um, where she says, I, I don't know a lot about, I've got one in front of me in particular, actually, I was going to bring up in this yeah, podcast, sure. um, Corona uh, Australis, I've probably said that mm-hmm. wrong, X17, uh, do not belong to the Galactic World Federation of Worlds, um, they're known to be much more uh, benevolent, yeah, how difficult to guess how they really look like, otherwise she's drawn a picture of this, um, uh, it's almost like um, a sea-based creature, but somewhat humanoid looking, it's the only way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have performed human abductions and medical experiments. There seems to be a level of consent there. Um, and their ships are shape-sifting technology. Uh, she's written here, another annoying race. But then again, it's, I want to kind of feel and, and hear more. Um, but that's just one of the many examples she gives. And she yeah. quite openly says, I don't know a lot here. This is all I yeah. know. And, yeah. um, I think she's doing a service to what is essentially the disclosure on what, what is going on out there. But um, she is just one part of a huge giant thread of information. And yeah. you know, we, it's up to us to take her book and many others and to, and to parse it and try and try and figure out for ourselves what we think yeah. until, until actually we get, we get to meet these, uh, these beings and we get some, you know, some definitive answers. We, we have to, yeah. you know, allow, there's a lot of speculation and it's, it's a, it's a tough world to, uh, to uh to be living in right now in terms of being able to understand what's going on but it's also quite exciting and uh you know and and just trust because yeah when you see the amount of information from all the different sources um it becomes almost impossible to see the what the big bad world out there of um in the universe as completely void of any life and just be rocks and suns and moons and what have you, you know, <laughs> floating around randomly. And just in this one, it, I mean, that's, that's just sounds ridiculous now. And then when you talk about there being other races, but they haven't been here, that's the, that's the central question now, really, isn't it? Um, mm. Are they, are they here already? Um, have they visited us already? Or, or are we, are we just sitting alone? <laughs> um, so yeah, fascinating book. And what it does do as well is, I think there's 110 races, if I'm correct, in the book. But that, I believe, only scratches the surface in terms of this galaxy, the Milky yeah. Way. Yeah. And just give, it gives a sense of the variety as well. Um, I think the majority do seem to be humanoid in a fashion. Um, then there's obviously the greys, the reptilians that we've mentioned already. But then there's all these other very um, bizarre looking creatures, which, you know, 
really do seem to the flight of fantasy in terms of bird bird looking or lion looking feline yeah that's how i felt yeah, yeah it, it taps into that fantasy i mean there's there's an interesting theory that richard dolan had in his book um if i'll quit look find the name but uh, alien agendas that's mm. it so similar enough to uh, taps into lots of different alien races and he said one of the main things he gets brought up when he does conferences and he, he's been in this uh, project a long time richard dolan uh for anyone listener listeners who don't know who he is um and he was saying well why do so many one look humanoid and uh, why do so many if they're not and it's, it's a popular actually sort of star trek criticism the tv series they have kind of two eyes mm. a nose a mouth and yeah uh, stand up right straight back and he said well think in a way like how we've developed on this planet take away maybe the conditions that have worked towards the development of humans or et intervention look at the fact that we over time develop straight backs we learn to build tools uh, we learn to mostly use our hands and over time because we're lot less reliant upon smell and instinctive responses and once we cultivated fire it kind of projected from that and he said maybe the secret of um uh, sentience or like consciousness where you're self-aware is a being has to evolve to be somewhat more upright in its ability to govern its environment around them mm -hmm. and so uh, that one was like, actually i never really thought of it that way before um mm -hmm. i'm sure there are other beings out there that evolved in such a completely different more complex way we can yeah. comprehend but many as you've pointed out joe do seem to be somewhat humanoid or just upright with the two eyes the nose and the mouth mm -hmm. um which is quite fascinating mm -hmm. um but i think yeah you, you bring up a good point about uh the fact that what what we represent in terms of humans does have a number of attributes which probably are relatively universal in in uh, in other species in terms of having two eyes rather than four. But I guess we have animals on here that have multiple eyes, don't they? So it's yes. more common to have two eyes, but there are lots and lots of eyes. There are beings with uh, you know even on this planet with lots of eyes. So it's not not the, the um, that they can't exist it's just that it's the more common version and it seems from from the universe certainly in what what we appreciate from just the biodiversity on, on on earth and we have to kind of like maybe extrapolate that to to the wider wider realm and uh, and speculate that it's pretty similar out there that more common forms do have two eyes a nose mouth it and two ears <laughs> yeah so um and many other features you mentioned earlier and i, I wanted to draw more onto this about uh, your own um i guess uh discussions or i guess meetings with the mantis being <laughs> let's just put it that way um sure. you mentioned to me uh previously and i just wanted to talk about this more because it was fascinating to hear that uh certainly in the last few months you've been developing what seems to be a communication um mm. so can you just dive into that and, and how it all how it all started and, uh, and what, what you've been doing to get there uh, sure. So I've been doing C5 now. Um, and for those who, who aren't aware, who are listening, it's uh, Dr. Stephen Greer's, I guess you could call it program, but what he set up where through uh, meditation and expanding your consciousness, we're connecting with other beings who are also um, expanding their consciousness as well. It doesn't necessarily always happen that way, but um, meditating with an intent and being open and ready to make contact um seems to be the method but again if i were to explain it it might take a while 
But in terms of developing that, I've been doing it, as I said, for two years. Um, and I've had some unusual experiences, but never uh, made a connection with a being like I have now. And predominantly, I've seen uh, different, a different variety of great beings. I've often seen mantis beings uh, with the great beings, uh, some tall great beings that are often female in depiction, some smaller ones. Um, I think probably unisex, maybe clones or grown. Um, but that's the only time I've seen the mantis beings. That's worth noting because I saw them every so often. And often when I would see them, when I was with a group of people doing C5, uh, there'd often be someone else who would see them. And that's often the confirmation for me that, okay, because you brought this up, Joe, when we last spoke, how do you know it's not your imagination, which I'll, I'll come to a bit later. But um, it's only in the last couple of months I, um, I close my eyes. And when I go into the meditation, I feel my eyes flicker and uh, some bright colours appear. I guess you call it the back of my eyes, but it's not literally, but it feels that way. And it almost feels like my eyes close and they open again. But what I'm seeing isn't completely clear. And I think for the more I've meditated, the clearer it's become. And uh, this, this man, I thought it was insectoid at first, but this mantis being has come up and appeared and um, got the, it's, on, it's got a darker skin. And Elaine Denham, funnily enough, depicts three different, I think, uh, colors. There's, there's a darker one, there's a lighter one. I could be getting this wrong, maybe slightly more greenish one, but the, the more golden looking one um, is the most popular mantis, but there is a darker almost skin one. That's the one I've been seeing. And it's got very dark eyes, very tall. And um, I felt this incredibly um, intense, but not very emotional energy. This being, it doesn't express emotion like we do in a positive or a negative way. Um, but it is very calm and content. And I could feel it's a heavy meditation practitioner in its own way. And I'm not the only one it's been communicating with. That's a message I've been sent to me. It's almost like, um, again, as Elaine describes it, where a message has been given to your head and it's sent down and a word appears in your own language. So I wouldn't describe it in a communication like me, you talking, but it's almost like message being sent to me. I don't quite know how to send one back yet. Um, but one of them is, is um, what I've just said. Um, another one is um, if ever I've had a busy day at work and I've come back, and I, I can almost feel, and it feels like a male mantis. It's, it's like, all right, I need to make contact with you here. And sometimes I just feel it in my head if I'm, and I almost always feel it if I feel like I'm a bit overwhelmed with something, which happens rarely. Or maybe sometimes as you experience it, your mind's running a bit more one day and you need a bit of meditation. I'll go into my usual sitting on my feet. I'll make the contact. Um, and this being appears and I can feel it just, calming me and I could feel like one of its arms or as many arms sort of coming across my face and coming down in this motion and I feel it calming and grounding me and on a few times it's actually reached out its arm and it's placed it at the side of my temples both my temples and um, it's almost like in between being cold and hot that's the only way I describe the feeling and I just feel like it's, it's like water being pulled down it's just like and it's out and I feel myself breathe and um, it's just helping guide me. It's helping me reach um, or raise my frequency and feel more grounded. And I keep hearing the word share. 
and share with others. Uh, but the word share comes up more and more again. And I don't know how to interpret that word share fully just yet, but whatever I'm doing with, uh, with meditation, with could be C5, it could be even with, with veganism, which I've been doing for five years now, sharing something that I feel is positive for humanity and the planet, but not forcing my view on others because that's important and that's massive with CE5. But every time I've made contact, it's been encouraging me to share something, maybe even like a teacher one day. Um, but I've been finding that when I've been interacting with people, Joe, and I appreciate I'm going on a bit here, but it's worth noting that I've been trying to just be a bit kinder to others a bit more. So normally when I'm at work, um, I'm a postman, I say, hello, package, I'm gone. I've tried to just make a little bit of conversation or just make someone feel good or with my colleagues or a friend of mine who's got chronic anxiety just trying to show support that I wouldn't normally and I feel like maybe that's what this being's trying to do say don't just work on yourself Rupert that's important you've got to have a bit more of an intention to help others and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that because like giving someone a little push that maybe they needed um, and I hope as time goes on this being if it still wants to be my guide will help guide me through my spiritual expression and I don't know maybe one day I'll meet it um, in the 3D I'm not sure that would be amazing but um, beforehand when I did see five I would see various different beings and sometimes I see something but almost always I just see this mantis being and I get the same sort of message and the same grounding which is mm -hmm. amazing okay and, um, yeah that's it <laughs> Well, there's a lot to digest there. And for those who might be listening, thinking you're, you're off your rocker, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to, uh, to really kind of pass. Um, so maybe go a little bit more into the, into the meditation practice that you do. Yeah, sure. Um, so normally I would do like mindfulness meditation or more like the, the Buddhist interpretation, meditate, uh, interpretation of meditation, where you, you clear your mind, there's a stillness of the mind. And I do that usually for like an hour a day, and I do a little bit before I go to sleep. Um, but in terms of uh, meditation with making contact, uh, sometimes I'll be in meditation and I'll, I'll feel my eyes flicker and I'll, I'll make the contact. And I don't try to fight against it, I used to. And if it happens, it's, I feel like it's something important trying to be sent to me and I'll see this being. Um, other times I've, I've said in my own head, I'm open and ready to make contact or sometimes I'll say it out loud and I'll do that hopefully about an hour or, so, or more so before I do the meditation. Uh, quite often that's worked when I've made the contact, but other times I've said it and I've sat down and nothing's happened and I've just had a nice meditation. Um, it's not incredibly relaxing when I have made contact. It's very intense and I wouldn't say it's it's obviously there's a calming effect but it's not like just clearing your mind and you're just at peace so the times where i've made contact and i've just been in deep meditation i'm, I'm in zen i'm just in the zone and i felt something it's almost kind of annoying but actually i know it's something important i need to register and so i just let it happen but uh the practice isn't too exciting it's just i, I repeat that same practice of mindfulness and that just seems to be what's working for me mm -hmm. So you, you stay in pitch black and um, do you have any sounds going on at the time or is it, is it silent? Almost always silence. I mean, I used to have a meditation teacher when I was um, at Union Chichester and she, she was a ordained Buddhist um, 
guess you could say monk in England, couldn't you, uh, for a woman? But I'd say definitely to me was a all day monk. And um, she said to me, you know, there's a place for um, audio meditations or it could be Dr. Greer's meditations and things. But the most effective form of meditation is just sitting in silence, teaching your mind to be still. And that was absolutely massive. And, and like I said, you know, when I've done CE5, um, the most success I've had, at least by myself, obviously with a group, you'll have more success in making contact and seeing something, um, has been when I've just been sitting in silence where I've got no distraction, not even white noise, um, mm-hmm. in like a fan or the washing machine. I try to just stay clear of that and just sit there. And that seems to be um, the best for myself. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. So what do you, you said that this mantis being looks uh, like in terms of it's got gray, gray skin. How, how tall is it? Is it, is it looking menacing at all? Or is it looking quite um, nice, <laughs> pleasant? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a way pleasant. I mean, I'm, it, it's, it's um, I'm just trying to have while I talk to you, I just try and find that passage where she talks about the mantis, but there's different colors on them but it's more of a a darkish brown color that i've seen but the eyes are basically almost like jet black and other mantis beings i've seen um the eyes haven't been so dark and i wonder whether maybe that's just me going deeper into the meditation i'm seeing it more Mm -hmm. clearly but all all the ones i've seen before have been very golden quite an intense energy and um yeah it's um sorry repeat that last part again of the question well, that's, that's sort of more about the, the features and how tall is it? Yeah, is it, yeah. No would worries. Say, um, would you say it's like our height in a way, or is it? Do you think it's quite tall? Uh, no, it seems um, it's much taller. It's it's hard to say, but um, the one time I saw one, and this was when I was meditating um, on a hill, and uh, I had sort of various sort of people doing C five around me, and there was a golden one in front of me, and I would say looking at it, it would have been nine foot tall but when i'm in meditation communicating with this being um it's kind of like its face what i would describe as shoulders and arms mm-hmm. i haven't yet seen it almost from a distance it's like I, i've closed my eyes they've opened again and it's in front of me quite close and um so it's hard to gauge that one but like i said when i've seen other ones they seem to be much taller and it, it's just just fascinating i wouldn't say it's pleasant or unpleasant it's not even like i'm registering a menacing look it's hard to say with uh, an insectoid mm. face like that <laughs> to register emotion it's just i just feel that real sense of um like a childlike curiosity i guess mm-hmm. i've got it here actually so uh green white and black subspecies tall black so boys appear wearing a black glossy exoskeleton and looking at it now like it it looks very much like the one i've seen can you show that to the camera? I know this might be audio initially, but I think I might. Absolutely, yeah. The video. There you go. Yeah. From Elaine's okay. book. But this one here on the right, the one I've very often seen, in fact, um, I've seen the uh, the green, it says white here subspecies. This is the one I've seen most often. So there's, there's three species in front of you. I guess I'm going to have to describe them a little bit, but they, they do yeah. look like um, very tall, thin, wiry legs. Yes. And they've got sort of an exoskeleton look to them. Um, yes. Their heads are very much jet black eyes with uh, sort of an insect type face. Yeah. Um, one of them has wings. The other two oh, don't seem to. But the one has more, more, has looks like to have six legs, possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, there's I guess you're trying to just get the variety from this pitch. Then I'm, I'm not saying these pitches are are the, the real deal or a natural being. This is just an interpretation, but um, you can see how an insectoid um, type being could have gone come to this you know this nine foot uh, intelligent level uh, on another planet. You can sort of get a get picture of it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. It's interesting. The the one I saw seemed to have more than two arms, but I sort of wonder. You know, you you interpret it the way it's here, but it definitely seemed to have dark skin and closer okay. to this one on the and, far and, and right. But do you just see to see the face, or do you see anything around them? Any sort of features about this that sort of gives an idea of where they are currently located, if it's anywhere physical? No, it feels almost like you know. Times I've been, it's happened more in dreams where I'm, I'm like on a on an astral plane it's um it's like you, you you're in an environment but everything around you there's it doesn't seem to be anything there it's just color it seems to be this orangey yellow color around the being and the energy i feel is just this being so you imagine like when you walk down the street you can feel certain vibes and energies from people around you even though you haven't mm -hmm. interacted with them and you do just get that feeling i'm not alone in this this area but when i'm when i'm i guess i describe as communicating with this being it feels like it's just just me and him mm. um i wonder whether that's somewhere a bubble that it's it's made where we can make contact or um but i haven't seen it like on a ship or um like the time i mentioned the other mantis being again it comes across more golden but it might be a white one mm. um where it was on the hill and it was just whoa it was like in front of me it was just amazing and, so, uh, so you said that um, you've you've also communicated in dreams, is that right? So you, there is a distinction there between in meditation versus in dreams, or yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I made that clear. I haven't had communication with um, a mantis being in the dream world, but in the dream world, it, it does feel like times arrive, and I'd interpret it as more the astral plane. Um, so I've had some quite unusual experiences with that one, as well as. Um, certain people I know who I believe to to have passed um which would be probably a whole nother podcast yeah but um so that's the really... world altogether you think that's the dream world yeah. is kind of that's kind of yeah. timeless in a way and moving through um different experiences in your past maybe with other beings we could talk about that another time but yeah you, sure, you, sure. Do, you do see a clear dis difference between that and the in the world you i guess you're experiencing when you're in this meditation that with this mantis being you see that there's a clear difference just like right now we're experiencing something that's mm. is clearly different to our, our dream worlds yeah absolutely and i think a popular question i think you might have touched on it joe is like you know how do you know someone's not lost their rocker and they're they're imagining it but i think what i've found is that whether it's it's uh, like a full lot like a normal dream or you're just imagining something you can manipulate it and for me when this happens i can't manipulate what i'm seeing and um in fact when i've been in the meditation Point. there's been contact and i've i've thought oh i need to remember that at 5 p.m i need to remember to chat to joe at three let's say <laughs> and maybe i was meditating before i haven't today but it's almost like oh hang on i'm pulling you back we need to make this contact and I can feel it like, go, no, don't think about anything, almost like a message that stay here in this in this moment, which which is amazing. And um, 
that feels a bit more of a, a confirmation for me that this is real. Interesting. Um, not and real. You make a good point that in the dream world, um, the the environment seems to change abruptly sometimes, and it can be quite fluid in terms of um, going from one place to another, a bit like Alice in the mm -hmm. Wonderland, that kind of thing. But you say yeah. this doesn't have that fluidity, doesn't have that experience of change. No, it's, it's almost like if there was an environment, it would be irrelevant. What's relevant is, is that mm -hmm. I've, I've picked up this, what I would describe as, as an ET guys. And uh, you know, one person I've done quite a bit of C5 within the past, in the past and we become mates over time he, he said to me actually says it's only a matter of time till you do pick up a guide it happens to all of us when we're doing this experiences and you can have more than one guide if you want um and it's almost as much as the guide chooses you as you choose the guide or for some reason energetically you're being pulled towards one and sometimes you may have a guide and they're, they're there just for a time in your progression and they go and you won't see them again so I'm just going to go along with it as long as I feel it's a, a positive impact. Mm. I know um, Elaine has, has made out um, that she, she described it as roaming, unless I'm interpreting that wrong, Joe, it could, can be quite dangerous. But mm. in terms of C5, which might be slightly different, my experiences have been quite positive. And, and with this being in particular, it's been very positive. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a very important point to make that um, whether whether people listening to this might speculate this, this isn't real or is real. The fact is it, it's having a positive experience for you. So, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And if it feels like a guide and it's helping, then um, uh, whether it's real or not, I guess could be, um, I guess, considered separate to, to whether it's having a positive experience on you. Uh, in terms of that as well, um, it's not proof, but as we hear more and more stories from people that are having these kind of things it just becomes more and more like uh something we can't dismiss anymore um yeah. uh, in the in the global conversation and um it's good to to hear from you uh talking about this openly and to feel that there isn't the level of stigma that might not be there that was the once there for people um that were talking about all these topics you know 10 20 years ago um, mm. I feel like the stigma is breaking and people are willing to listen and they're, they're right in the, to, to speculate and say it's, it's nonsense, but not to denigrate your, your experience or to make you feel like, um, you know, you're doing a disservice because I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a positive experience for you and it's, it's for you, for you alone, really, this experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's nice you pointed out, Joe, that, you know, we are talking about this, but I'm, not the only one experiencing this i think you ask yourself these questions that's important am i imagining this am i thinking this why is this happening mm. and uh, elaine also said in in her book you know that like, why is this happening to me and even the first time she met i think forehand you know said, was that was that a dream or but as as things become more apparent it, and then you meet other people you read books that talk about this um it's a lot more solidifying so we do need this confirmation in the 3d and we do to some extent with certain races and events but i think at the moment what we're realizing with these beings that as a species we're not ready collectively to make contact um but what is happening is that there are certain people and we're not special we're just um i guess open and tuned into this in some form 
mm. are making contact through various other alternative means. And through that, I like to think through the books, through the podcasts or C5, we're sharing it with others. And um, these beings are just, at least the ones I've seen, uh, they want to help. They want to just help us raise our frequency and solve a lot of the problems mm. on the planet because there's a hell of a lot that needs to be solved. Yeah, uh, I think uh, raising frequency is, is, as you know, the vibe suggests is yeah. so important yeah. because, you know, it, once the problem's solved, if we aren't at a point where we can maintain that and go, go from there to a better place, we're just going to go back into our current state, really. Even yeah. if it, you know, it's just a matter of time, really. So we have to uh, get to a point where we're all collectively to higher state, um, consciously, uh, vibrationally, um, so that we can fix a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the traumas and the issues that this planet is still uh, experiencing. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's uh, fascinating to talk, and um, thank you for coming on. And hopefully, yeah, we'll we'll do it again another time and talk maybe a bit more about the mantis being and what other research and books you're you're doing all right thank you again jane for having me thank you